Long History The Southern United States in the 1500s, Part 20 Searching for a Root Home in Texas Hello everyone, how are you and welcome to episode 20 of Long History's The Southern United States in the 1500s. Welcome to any new listeners. This text describes an expedition from the mid-1500s to explore large parts of the southern United States, from Florida to Arkansas and most of the states in between. A man called Hernando de Soto headed the expedition, which began in April 1538, but in episode 18 Luis de Moscoso took over as the leader of the expedition. This narrative was written by a Portuguese man known as the Gentleman of Elvers. This is episode 20 and there are 25 episodes in total for this series, so please subscribe to be informed of when they're released. Welcome to any of our long-time listeners also, thank you for coming back. Here's just a quick roundup of the most recent events in this document. Luis Moscoso has become the new governor, and with that change, the aim of the expedition also changes. Hernando de Soto spent three years trying to find better, richer lands, but now the only purpose of the expedition is to return to the Spanish-speaking world. In the previous episode, Moscoso and the expedition members entered Texas. They're trying to reach the Spanish-speaking world by land, taking a route similar to that of a previous failed expedition, headed by Pamphilo de Narváez, whose account, written by Cabeza de Baca, we've already serialized on long history as Florida, Texas and Northern Mexico in the 1500s. This episode of the Gentleman of Elvis text begins with the expedition traveling between various provinces before reaching one called Ais. Chapter 34 How the governor marched from Nondacao to Suacatino and Guasco, passing through a wilderness, whence, for want of a guide and interpreter, he retired to Nilco. The governor set out from Nondacao to Suacatino, and on the fifth day came to a province called Ais. The inhabitants had never heard of the Christians, so soon as they observed them entering the territory, the people were called out, who, as fast as they could get together, came by fifties and hundreds on the road to give battle. While some encountered us, others fell upon our rear, and when we followed up those, these pursued us. The attack continued during the greater part of the day, until we arrived at their town. Some men were injured and some horses, but nothing so as to hinder travel, there being not one dangerous wound among all. The Indians suffered great slaughter. The day on which the governor departed, the guide told him that he had heard it said in Nondacao that the Indians of Suacatino had seen other Christians, at which we were all delighted, thinking it might be true, and that they could have come by the way of New Spain. For if it was so, finding nothing in Florida of value, we should be able to go out of it, there being fear we might perish in some wilderness. The governor, having been led for two days out of the way, ordered that the Indian be put to the torture when he confessed that his master, the cacique of Nondacao, had ordered him to take them in that manner, we being his enemies, and he, as his vassal, was bound to obey him. He was commanded to be cast to the dogs, and another Indian guided us to Suacatino, where we came the following day. The country was very poor, and the want of maize was greatly felt. The natives, being asked if they had any knowledge of other Christians, said they had heard that near there, towards the south, such men were moving about. For twenty days the march was through a very thinly peopled country, where great privation and toil were endured. The little maze there was, the Indians having buried in the scrub, where the Christians, at the close of the day's march, when they were well weary, went trailing, to seek for what they needed of it to eat. Arrived at the province called Guasco, they found maize, with which they loaded the horses and the Indians. Thence they went to another settlement, called Nakiscosa, the inhabitants of which said that they had no knowledge of any other Christians. 
The governor ordered them to be put to torture when they stated that farther on in the territories of another chief, called Nasakahos, the Christians had arrived and gone back toward the west, whence they came. He reached there in two days and took some women, among whom was one who said she had seen Christians and, having been in their hands, had made her escape from them. The governor sent a captain with fifteen cavalry to where she said they were seen, to discover if there were any marks of horses or signs of any Christians having been there, and after travelling three or four leagues, she who was the guide declared that all she had said was false, and so it was deemed of everything else the Indians had told them of having seen Christians in Florida. As the region thereabouts was scarce of maize and no information could be got of any inhabited country to the west, the governor went back to Guasco. The residents stated that ten days' journey from there towards the sunset was a river called Daikau, whither they sometimes went to drive and kill deer and whence they had seen persons on the other bank, but without knowing what people they were. The Christians took as much maize as they could find to carry with them, and journeying ten days through a wilderness, they arrived at the river of which the Indians had spoken. Ten horsemen sent in advance by the governor had crossed, and, following a road leading up from the bank, they came upon an encampment of Indians living in very small huts, who, directly as they saw the Christians, took to flight, leaving what they had, indications only of poverty and misery. So wretched was the country, that what was found everywhere put together was not half an alcaire of maize. Taking two natives, they went back to the river, where the governor waited, and on coming to question the captives to ascertain what towns there might be to the west, no Indian was found in the camp who knew their language. The governor commanded the captains and principal personages to be called together, that he might determine now by their opinions what best to do. The majority declared it their judgment to return to the river Grande of Guachoya, because in Anilco and thereabout was much maize, that during the winter they would build brigantines, and the following spring go down the river in them in quest of the sea, where, having arrived, they would follow the coast thence along to New Spain, an enterprise which, although it appeared to be one difficult to accomplish, yet from their experience it offered the only course to be pursued. They could not travel by land for want of an interpreter, and they considered the country farther on, beyond the river Daikau on which they were, to be that which Cabeza de Vaca had said in his narrative should have to be traversed, where the Indians wandered like Arabs, having no settled place of residence, living on prickly pears, the roots of plants and game, and that if this should be so, and they, entering upon that tract, found no provision for sustenance during winter, they must inevitably perish, it being already the beginning of October, and if they remained any longer where they were, what with rains and snow, they should neither be able to fall back nor, in a land so poor as that, to subsist. The governor, who longed to be again where he could get his full measure of sleep, rather than govern and go conquering a country so beset for him with hardships, directly returned, getting back from whence he came. Chapter 35 How the Christians returned to Nilco, and thence went to Minoya, where they prepared to build vessels in which to leave Florida. When what had been determined on was proclaimed in the camp, many were greatly disheartened. They considered the voyage by sea to be very hazardous because of their poor subsistence, and as perilous as was the journey by land, whereon they had looked to find a rich country before coming to the soil of Christians. This was according to what Cabeza de Baca told the emperor, that after seeing cotton cloth would be found gold, silver and stones of much value, and they were not yet come to where he had wandered, for before arriving there he had always travelled along the coast, and they were marching far within the land. 
Hence, by keeping toward the west, they must unavoidably come to where he had been, as he said that he had gone about in a certain region a long time and marched northward into the interior. Now in Guasco, they had already found some turquoises and shawls of cotton, which the Indians gave them to understand by signs, were brought from the direction of the sunset, so that they who should take that course must approach the country of Christians. There was, likewise, much other discontent. Many grieved to go back, and would rather have continued to run the peril of their lives than leave Florida poor. They were not equal, however, to changing what was resolved on, as the persons of importance agreed with the governor. There was one, nevertheless, who said afterwards that he would willingly pluck out an eye to put out another for Luis de Moscoso. So greatly would he grieve to see him prosper. With such bitterness did he inveigh against him and some of his friends, which he would not have dared to do, only he knew that in a couple of days from that time the government would have to be relinquished. From Daikao, where they were, to the Rio Grande, was a distance of 150 leagues, which they had marched toward that place always westwardly and as they returned over the way, with great difficulty could they find maize to eat, for, wheresoever they had passed, the country lay devastated, and the little that was left, the Indians had now hidden. The towns they had burned in Naguatex, of which they had repented, they already found rebuilt, and the houses full of maize. That country is populous and abundant. Pottery is made there of clay, little differing from that of Estremoz or Montemor. To Chaguete, by command of the cacique, the Indians came in peace, and said that the Christian who had remained there would not come. The governor wrote to him, sending ink and paper that he might answer. The purport of the letter stated his determination to leave Florida, reminding him of his being a Christian, and that he was unwilling to leave him among heathen, that he would pardon the error he had committed in going to the Indians, should he return, and that if they should wish to detain him, to let the governor know by writing. The Indian who took the letter came back, bringing no other response than the name and rubric of the person written on the back, to signify that he was alive. The governor sent twelve mounted men after him, but, having his watchers, he so hid himself that he could not be found. For want of maize, the governor could not tarry longer to look for him. So he left Chaguete, crossed the river at Aiz, and following it down, he discovered a town which they had not seen before, called Chilano. They came to Nilco where the governor found so little maize that there was not enough to last while they made the vessels. For during seed time, while the Christians were in Guachoya, the Indians, in fear of them, had not dared to come and plant the grounds, and no other land about there was known to have maize, that being the most fertile region of the vicinity, and where they had the most hope of finding sustenance. Everyone was confounded. Many thought it bad counsel to have come back from the Daikao and not to have taken the risk of continuing in the way they were going by land, as it seemed impossible that they should escape by sea unless a miracle might be wrought for them, for there was neither pilot nor sea chart. They knew not where the river entered the sea, nor of the sea could they get any information. They had nothing out of which to make sails, nor if a rope a sufficiency of eneken, a grass growing there which is like hemp, and what they did find was saved for cork nor was there wherewith to pitch them. Neither could they build vessels of such strength that any accident might not put them in jeopardy of life. And they greatly feared that what befell Narvaez, who was lost on the coast, might happen to them also. But the most of all they feared was the want of maize, for without that they could not support themselves or do anything they would. All were in great dismay. The Christians chose to commend themselves to God for relief, and beseech him to point them out a way by which they might be saved. 
By his goodness, he was pleased that the people of Anilko should come peacefully, and state that two days' journey thence, near the River Grande, were two towns of which the Christians had not heard in a fertile country, named Aminoya, but whether it then contained maize or not, they were unable to tell, as they were at war with those places, they would nevertheless be greatly pleased to go and destroy them with the aid of the Christians. The governor sent a captain thither with horsemen and footmen and the Indians of Anilco. Arriving at Aminoya, he found two large towns in a level, open field, half a league apart, in sight of each other, where he captured many persons and found a large quantity of maize. He took lodging in one of the towns and directly sent a message to the governor concerning what he had found, with which all were well content. They set out from Anilco in the beginning of December, and on that march, as well as before coming there from Chilano, they underwent great exposure, for they passed through much water, and rain fell many times, bringing a north wind with severe cold, so that when in the field they had the water both above and below them, and if at the end of a day's journey they found dry ground to lie upon, they had occasion to be thankful. In these hardships nearly all the Indians in service died, and also many Christians, after coming to Aminoya, the greater number being sick of severe and dangerous diseases, marked with inclination to lethargy. André de Vasconcelos died there, and two Portuguese brothers of Elvas, near of kin to him, by the name of Soti. The Christians chose for their quarters what appeared to be the best town. It was stockaded, and stood a quarter of a league distant from the Rio Grande. The maize that lay in the other town was brought there, and when together the quantity was estimated to be 6,000 fanegas. For the building of the ships, better timber was found than had been seen elsewhere in all Florida, on which account all rendered many thanks to God for so signal mercy, encouraging the hope in them that they should be successful in their wish to reach a shore of Christians. When Moscoso became the leader of the expedition, there was a change of plans and a hint of optimism as the expedition decided to try to head on land to New Spain and back to the Spanish-speaking world. Some of the expedition members, however, are clearly aware of the hardship that Cabeza de Vaca endured on his route around the Gulf Coast. It is no wonder, therefore, that some of the men are reluctant to revisit his steps. However, turning back is a difficult and divisive decision, because the alternative, heading down the river to the Gulf, barely seems any better. It is interesting to read the open disagreement noted here. However, the expedition members return to the Mississippi, called the River Grande here, and in the next episode they will begin to build their boats. It is by no means a quick process. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Southern United States in the 1500s. Before you go, please do give it a like to help promote the episode. There's five more episodes to go in this series, so please subscribe to be informed of when they're released. Don't forget in the meantime that there's lots to explore on long history about Columbus, Magellan, Francis Drake. Thanks again for listening and goodbye.